Hey, I'm Nancy Gang. You're listening to the Birchwood Podcast. Wait, let me do that again. <laughs> sure, no, it's is it great, the huh? Birchwood Podcast? Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay. It, it's called Birchwood. I'm going to do Birchwood. Birchwood Podcast. That is weird. It doesn't matter. All right. Hey, I'm Nancy Gang. You're listening to Birchwood Podcast. Tonight, Friday, June 7th, the Best in New Brunswick Comedy Tour will be at the Tribute Bar and Lounge. That's in Fredericton. I will be there, 7.30 showtime. For more information, visit Best in New Brunswick Comedy Tour on Facebook. And for more comedy shows, go to Shane Ogden Comedian on Facebook, Comedian Shane Ogden on Insta, and at Funny Shane Ogden on Twitter. To email this podcast, it's birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Also, like our Facebook page, Birchwood Podcast, to see pictures and things related to this program. Thank you for listening. Birchwood Podcast is brought to you by Splootcast and the Boys Club. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's up, weirdos? It's Mark Splood, and I am the host of the Splood But, you know, you should probably know that already, shouldn't you? You don't know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone listens to my show. What's the point of even doing a commercial? Well, listen, just in case there's one poor bastard out there who doesn't know about it, it's the best damn podcast in the world, and you can find it every Thursday on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your shit. Get my shit. It's called the Splood Check it out. Download it, sit down on your ass, crack a Dos Equis, fire up your favorite sativa, and driver right the fuck into you. Boys Club. Is it called Boys Club because my apartment looks like a boy lives in it? I wouldn't say a boy lives in it, I would say a boy is kidnapped somewhere in here. Boys Club. We're everything. We're true crime. We're We're world star hip hop. World star hip hop. For Netflix reviews. Stories of the day. Boys Club. Listen. Yeah, do it. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Uh, I think. Uh, no, we're not. And on Google Play. Nobody gives a shit. Boys Club. Boys Club Podcast. Now with 90% more sound clips of black people. Boys Club. Touch me and I'll soup. You are listening to the Birchwood Podcast with Shane Ogden. The voice you are hearing right now is of mine, Trevor Muxworthy, the host of Whatever Trevor. Every Wednesday, I release an episode that is 100% Canadian content. Are you from Canada? Do you like Canadians? Do you like music? Do you like comedians? If you answered yes to one of those, you might like my podcast. It's called Whatever Trevor, and you can get it now. Thank you for listening to Birchwood Podcast. It is Friday, June 7th, and I'm here at the kitchen table. It's at uh, my home. It's in my home at Birchwood 
Trailer Park in Public Landing, New Brunswick, Canada. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks for tuning in every Friday so that I can entertain you. I'm so happy about all the things that are happening right now. I have a full-time job. I am running the comedy club with Julie Tower. Everything's going great. And the last show that we had was great. It featured Niles Seguin, but also on the show was uh, Brian Giles, Nate Dimitrov, and uh, I know I'm saying his name wrong, Demitrov. That's right, Nathan Demitrov. He corrected us. <laughs> He's a corrector. He likes to correct things. So that was that. Um, and uh, Brian Giles, who it was great to see again. Hello to Brian Giles. He is uh, in a good place right now, mentally, so that's that's good when your friends are okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the weekend. I hope you have big plans. I have big plans tonight, as uh, you probably heard in the uh, dates segment. I'm uh, at the Tribute Bar and Lounge in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, tonight, 7.30. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Uh, me, Chris Hovey, Glenn K. Amo, and the spawn of St. John, Mark Splude. And I'm really hoping my buddy Mark Splude headlines. Because I am out of shape. I am tired. I feel like every bit of energy has gone into this full-time job. And, and I guess that's probably to be expected. Uh, I went from not working at all to working 40 hours a week just instantly. And uh, you can't do that, eh? Well, I mean, you can. Let me get a drink of water here. Oh, God. You should drink more water. That's what everybody tells you, right? You don't want your pee going yellow, do you? You don't want to get dehydrated. Drink lots of water. And if you're thinking about it, today is your day. Drink water. Don't, don't drink too many coffees. Just have a few and get lots of water into you. And stay the hell away from pop. What, do you want to drink a pound of sugar? Yes, because it tastes good. Okay, lizard brain. Chill out. Don't drink pop. You don't have a chocolate bar. Have a spoonful of sugar. Makes the medicine go down, as that uh, singing lady once said. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I am exhausted. <laughs> uh, yeah, as I mentioned, I am working... Zero to 60 here. It's crazy. Uh, today, I finished, put the finishing touches on uh, wiring a warehouse, a commercial warehouse. And uh, the guys, the maintenance guys that worked there, they were really happy when the lights came on today. You know, everybody's, every time I go to a job, you know, they're like, why is it taking so long? Can't you do it this way? I would rather have the lights pointed this way. I would rather put the plug over here. I would rather do, you know. And you do what's reasonable, what's practical, and what they agree on in the beginning of the job. And as you start working, they start clamoring around, saying, I like it this way, I like it that way. Because the reality is when you start something, job-wise, when you start a job, you think you know what you want the customers always think they know what they want until you start doing what they ask 
and then they find out it maybe wasn't such a hot idea, and they want you to do something completely different, and uh, wire doesn't stretch, eh? <laughs> so you gotta you gotta make it work. You gotta throw in some junction boxes. You maybe you gotta pull a new cable. Maybe you gotta you gotta make it happen. So today, all of the things I made, all of their dreams come true. All of the lights came on, and uh, it was it was good. It was good to see them happy after uh, having them buzzing around the bottom of my ladder for so long. So that puts an end to that chapter. And tomorrow's a brand new chapter. But I, the guy I'm working for right now is great. He just tells you what he wants. He drops off the material. And then he's fucking gone. Which is, by the way, what every boss should do. Hey, bosses, take a take a hint. Take this hint with you when you're bossing, okay? Just fucking ask your employees. Tell them what you want. And then... If they need something to get that job done, give it to them and then get the fuck out of there because nobody needs you hanging around making them feel the pressure, okay? That pressure is not healthy and it's why some people fucking snap and, and, and maybe they lose their job and their livelihood. Maybe they, maybe they take it too far. Maybe they get really upset. Maybe something happens to them, right? Maybe they fuck it all up. You know, they're the butterfingers. They start dropping their screwdrivers because you're standing right up their ass. So I love my new boss. He just fucking says what he wants, gives me the material, and he's out. Perfect. I really hope I can keep working with this foreman. Because I love, I love to, uh, I don't love to work, but I like to work. And uh, I like to work when there aren't people up my ass. Hey, if you haven't picked up a Birchwood podcast mug, you should get one. <laughs> Millions have been sold. Millions. You, you need one. It, they're good. They help support the podcast and they help you if you need coffee. You can pick one up. Just send us an email, birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. I went to therapy today, so that was something. You know... After a hard day's work, uh, when you're physically and mentally exhausted, it's always best to sit in front of a complete stranger and tell them, I'm broken. I don't know how life works. It's really hard to say why I'm there at this moment. You know, like a month ago... I didn't have a job. I had all these problems now. My only problem is I need to find more time to sleep. Boy, life can change quickly, can't it? Anyway, uh, it was good. My therapist's name is Adam. That's about all I can say. I can't get into it. Because, I, you know, the thing about it, and it's not like you... <laughs> <laughs> can tell by this podcast, I don't mind sharing. It's just that um, it's not finished yet. You know, it would be like telling you uh, new material that I haven't developed yet. You know, it's like, I, I don't know where this is going. We're talking about my childhood. We're talking about my current relationships. 
were talking about my anger and my reactiveness and my apprehension and my confidence and why I care what other people think of me. There's so many things that we're talking about and we're kind of all over the place and it's a goddamn mess right now. But when I get uh, some progress, I will report back to you because I know you're all fucking dying to know. <laughs> Thank you to my listeners in the United States. Thank you very much. Wow, we're up to 40% now, American listeners. And uh, that's amazing. I'm I'm so curious to know where everybody is listening from. So please email me, birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. I really do want to know. I really do. I'm very, very interested to know where you're you're listening from. I find that shit fascinating. I really do. Like, it's just magical, you know? Meet, like, people you've never met are just listening to your most inner thoughts. That's That's crazy to me. And for some reason, enjoying it. I hope that you find a piece of yourself in my madness. My mouthing off, my monologuing <laughs> so thank you for listening i don't have any uh plans to do comedy after my obligations here i haven't felt funny in so long my life is so full and there's just not time for me for my passion i don't have any passion i literally I go and I physically and mentally give everything I have for eight hours. I come home and there's nothing left. Whatever's left I give to my family. And and that's it. I'm Mr. Blue Collar right now. That's the song I'm going to play if I can find it. That just reminded me. Blue Collar. There's this line in this rap song. I believe uh, he's he's hooked up with Kanye West somehow. And this is like 15, 20 years ago. Well, maybe less. But but definitely a decade or more ago, um, Blue Collar or Rhymefest. And I don't, I don't know if the album was called Rhymefest or the rapper was called Rhymefest. I think the rapper is Blue Collar and the album is Rhymefest. And um, there's a song called All I Do. And I'm not sure if I can get it on the on the podcast or not, but there's this line. I mean, the whole song is just about him uh, working, trying to get by, struggling. You know, his adver- all his problems and how he's over- going to overcome them because he's so goddamn uh, determined. You know, and um, there's this line in the in the song that really resonates with me. It's uh, I've been poor all my life, cocksucker. I'm not afraid how the shit feels. And um, I really feel that resolve with everything. You know? If I'm honest, I'll tell you that, uh, and I am honest. Uh, I will tell you there's been half a dozen times in my life where I've contemplated checking out. I don't like to say suicide. It's an ugly word. But I think about my kids. I love them, you know. They're amazing children. And they're 
their lives mean a lot to me and uh, I, I enjoy my time with them and it, there's, it's like a sobering moment that, that it reminds me and, and brings me back and makes me determined. I wish I had the luxury of giving up. I do not. And I'm not having those thoughts right now. Um, because I feel like I have worth. I feel like I'm important to them and to others. And I, I wish I, I wish I had the luxury to just lay down and die, but I, but I don't. And I, and I know so many people feel this way and I've lost people in the past, in the recent past and in the distant past that did themselves in and, uh, I don't blame them. I know I know these thoughts are are fucked up, but and I didn't plan on talking about this, but this is just what's in my head at this moment. And I know, oh my god, there's so much there's so much sad shit that I talk about, you know? But I think it's important to talk about because so many people feel alone like they're not, you know, important to people. And I got to tell you, you are important to somebody and you don't even know it. Or maybe you do know it. I know I'm important to my kids at the very least. And I'm worth more to them alive than dead. And that's what, that's always been my full stop when it comes to those thoughts. Sometimes it takes me a while to get there, you know, because life can be a son of a gun. It can be a, a real challenge. But we have to rise above those thoughts. What's left if you don't, right? What is left if you don't? And, and I guess that is another thing that I'm struggling with. I mean, why can't I just be happy with a, a good job? I have a good job. I get paid well right now. You know, it's good, right? Catching up on my bills. Obviously, my woman is very happy. <laughs> you know. Takes the pressure off of her having to carry the weight of all the bills. I mean, I don't even have a right to complain. So many people looking for work right now. And I've got this great job. And I'm just like, fuck my life. I did it out of obligation, man. That's why I became an electrician. I'm getting better at it. I'm working faster. I just have to try to be a little better every day. And I just have no fucking clue where comedy fits into all of this. Or if it even does, you know. Do I, uh... You know what I'm like? This is what I'm like. And I, and I, I wish this wasn't me, but it is. I'm like that guy that played baseball when he was a kid and got so fucking good at it that if he had a went for it, he had an actual shot at making the major leagues. But instead he decided to work at the factory and got his girl pregnant and had a couple of kids and 
now he's got a mortgage and he feels kind of locked in, you know, and how, you know, yeah, I don't regret any of my obligations, but there's something that is just, I, I, it's, it's so bad. I mean, if I was fucking really bad at comedy, it wouldn't kill me so fucking much, you know, but it's like, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I was even better. Or maybe I'm good now. I don't know. I struggle with that. But um, yeah, and now I'm the guy that uh, could have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but instead I'm like doing covers down at the pub. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that that all? That's all comedy's ever going to be for me. Maybe is a hobby, and that is uh, that is soul crushing. I should just call this podcast all the reasons that <laughs> my day job is soul crushing. Uh, and I have no right to complain like this. I'm I'm so fortunate right now. I got to think about it that way, right? Let's get back on the positive train here, you know? I can still do comedy. It might not be as good as I want it to be. Maybe I can write a new joke. Maybe, right? Ugh. I just need more rest. If I rest more, if I try to find a, some time to enjoy myself. You know, family game night is Saturday. That'll be fun, right? That'll make me happy. We're having tacos. So, I'm looking forward to that. Did I tell you guys about my date? Yeah, I went on a date with Lishi. It was awesome. We went to Pomodori's Uptown St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. And it was, um, it was good. The food was good. Oh, God. How could I put it? We went to Pomodori's in a, in a different part of uh, New Brunswick, in, in, in this community called Rosse. And uh, there we were very enchanted with the whole experience. You could watch your pizza be cooked in this fire-burning stove. And uh, it's really, really cool. And uh, they have whatever you want on a pizza, you know, kind of idea. And Anyway, so my girlfriend's a vegetarian and it's kind of perfect uh, because we both can eat something there. And... Uh, yeah, we just had, and, and they have a gelato for dessert, and we just had a wonderful time, right? So we decided to try the other location, and it's only about a 20-minute drive to the other location. So um, we went, and her pizza was, like, covered in oil. <laughs> Mine was made perfect, of course. And uh, so she was soured on the whole experience, food-wise, and then... Um, it was too noisy. Oh my god. It's attached to a bar. <laughs> so people from the bar are just walking over. Ah, I want a pizza. Ah. And uh Oh my god, it sucked. 
It sucked. Like, just the atmosphere was shit. So then we thought we'd move to the window seat, you know, be romantic, and uh, fucking, we might as well eat it right on the side. We might as well have ate it right on the sidewalk, man. It felt like people were looking at us, and we were looking at them and making weird eye contact, trying to chew our oiled cover pizzas. <laughs> but we still had fun. We We just... We had this bitch session the whole time about all those little things that were happening to us. And, uh, you know, some douche drove by with a Corvette and a personalized license plate. And then there was a this uh, hipster woman with a cape on and she was vaping. She was just like the douchiest lady. Uh, and then at one point, a guy walked through the restaurant with a dog. Because the <laughs> the bar is dog friendly next door, but the pizza joint, I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Anyway, we had a lot of fun. It was great. And uh and anyway, we got uh, got a little romantic. It was nice. It was a date night, you know? We we rekindled our flame. We're in love. And I, and we are. And uh, that's one of those p things to put in the positive column, you know. Like I met this girl, I don't know, three years ago, fresh off a divorce. And it's just been, I don't know, it's, it's very, very overwhelming when somebody actually loves you, you know. I mean, I just feel like the ex-wife and I were we're just a family because we had a baby and you know we loved each other like a brother and sister would no that that didn't sound right <laughs> we loved each other the way family members love each other like just yeah we we had these kids so we love each other right right yeah i guess so is this what love is i don't know but then uh when i met lishi it was um poof just punch me in the chest you know um i don't know man like she was like i was thinking about making you a pasta salad uh, i was thinking about putting some ranch in there with the twisty noodles and shredded cheese and uh bacon bits and she's cooking bacon in the oven and like breaking them up in my pasta salad and like i'm just sitting there going pinching myself going what the fuck man like this woman actually loves me you know, and she's got a great smile and she makes me happy. Oh, I know everybody's puking out there. Ugh. All of you people that are, that don't have that kind of love are just like sick to your stomach right now. You're like, fuck you, Shane. <laughs> now, man, it's, 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 it's lovely to be in love. It's one of the nice things, right? So put that in the good column. Kids are in the good column. And, uh, that's great. Going through a little, little bump in this road with my son right now where he doesn't, uh, that's uh, not fair to say. He's 17. So any parent out there that has a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. I don't even have to tell you the story, but, um, basically my son expects us to drop everything and drive him everywhere and not tell us when things are happening and 
I get a little sour about it and we get into an argument and you know, he's like, I'm never coming back. And I'm like, if you don't, if you leave, don't come back. And now he's like, he's going to live with his mom. <laughs> and you know, I was like, fine. One more, one less sandwich to pack in the morning, you know, but, uh, I'm actually feeling kind of shitty about it right now because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know? I know what that's like. I'm a sensitive dude. I, I get my feelings hurt sometimes, and uh, I don't know. I love the kid, you know? What are you going to do? He's my son. I'm hoping he'll come around, but right now he's on dad strike. So this is like uh, day three of dad strike, day four. I don't know, man. He's usually transition day is Sunday, and he just announced, texted me on Sunday, said he's not coming home. He's tired of me yelling at him and stuff. And I was just like, fuck. My feelings, his feelings. <sighs> Next week on my, on my bachelor week, I'm going to find him. And I'm going to take him for a burger or something. Ah, fix the, fix the problems. Hey, if you got problems, why not email the podcast at birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. I probably can't fucking help you, but I'll try. <laughs> ah, or I don't know, send me a, send me a message, tell me your favorite movie and we'll discuss it. Maybe just tell me where you're listening from. I want to know. Okay, that's enough rambles for this week. I hope you enjoyed my little ramblings. Sorry I felt a little tired, I felt a little off, I felt a little on the downside of Manic. But, not to worry, I'll be back next week with more ramblings that are probably better than this uh, this week. I'm just having a bit of a lazy week and, uh, you know, the monologuing wasn't as good. So, it's not always gold, folks. Speaking of gold, my guest this week is Niall Seguin, S-E-G-U-I-N, Niall, N-I-L-E. Niall Seguin, he's been on the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, Halifax Comedy Festival, uh, he was on the program The Beaverton, or he's written for The Beaverton, that's it, and he's on the show, uh, got a reoccurring role, what the hell is that show called? I can't remember, damn it. I don't know what I don't know what platform it's on. This is a horrible introduction for my guests. <laughs> I'll think of it. I'll think of it. I won't give up. Okay, I know he's on a show and it is No, I'm not going to be able to think of it. Ah, that's awful. Hang on, I'm going to Google it. Second Gen. Oh my god, and it's on City TV. <laughs> anyway, I've never seen the program, but um, he's got accolades out the yin-yang. Uh, he's also been on the Just for Laughs Festival. Um, yeah, he writes for This Hour is 22 Minutes. He's all over television, uh, especially uh, here in Canada. Man, this guy has – he's busy, and he's very, very good at what he does. Man, I can't believe his stand-up. It's so good. He does uh, these voices, uh, these characters, and – his writing is very on point, very sharp. It was just such an honor. Friday night, 
uh, I sat and watched his whole set, which I don't, I rarely have the opportunity to do that. Usually there's something happening at the club, but man, I was able to watch his whole set and I laughed like I couldn't even breathe. I had tears. Uh, I really, really, I'm a fan of this guy and, um, it, it was awesome to sit and talk with him. We got a, a conference room at the hotel and we just, uh, you know, I, I hit record on my phone. We talked and it was, it was a real pleasure just to talk to him as a human being. He's interesting. He's smart. He's very funny. And, uh, he's one of the best comedians I've ever seen. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this interview I've done with the wonderful Niall Seguin. All right. Well, Niles, again, thank you for doing this podcast no interview. This problem. is great. I I don't know how to start these things. I never do. And now I'm going to pretend like we did, just didn't have a lunch where we this already discussed thing. everything. We may have we may have already blown our load. We've, this yeah, might yeah. be very brief. It's just <laughs> we've already like, bur- we've already burned it all up. You guys weren't there at the at, at the, the lunch uh, at the lunch, man. We fucking dropped so much science. I know. It why was why wasn't the listening audience at our lunch? That's what I want to know. Um, so I, I like to start with everything that's not stand up and okay. kind of go into it. Cause I sure. find that so many podcasts are, you know, how, what's your writing process and yes. all these things, yeah, but yeah. I'm more interested in the human being. So like, you know, you said that you grew up in Ottawa. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So w- tell me a little bit about Ottawa. Like, what was that like for you? Was, uh, was it a big city or in the middle of the city kind of like, or. Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's like. Uh, growing up in Ottawa, I would always hate the 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 big city Toronto snobs. Yeah, and now I am a big city Toronto snob. It's terrible. Like, cause I you go feel back like to you're Ottawa. a snob. Well, I mean, I must be, man, because I go back to Ottawa and I, I like visiting friends, but I really, I think it's kind of boring. Whereas when I was there, I was, I'd be like, this place is amazing. What's everyone's problem? You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I grew up in Ottawa, and it was like it was a. Uh, 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 I have good memories of it. Um, a lot of, and it's just, it's just. Were you a was, were you a kid that did comic books or sports or did you do not sports? Uh, so yeah, comic books, D and D, role playing games, and really? stuff like that. Yeah, I was a comic book collector, and it was this is a game changing moment when I was uh, like sometimes in, sometimes in the eighties. I don't even know how or why, but I just started collecting comic books, and then I started drawing, and I decided I want to be a comic book uh, artist. Um, and then in, it, uh, when I was, when it was time to pick a high school, there was this high school de la Salle, which is this French high school that had like art concentrations. And I was like, that's what I'm doing. And I want to be an artist, but my grades weren't high enough. Um, so I shanked it and I didn't get in. I did get in eventually a year later. I went to a different high school and I like killed myself to get my grades up. And then eventually I got back in. But if... If they had accepted me, I'm not even sure if I'd be doing what I'm doing now, right? I might be doing comic books. I uh, I realized recently I kind of like stupid people because uh, eventually they will give you material. It's only a matter of time. It's fucking great. This is one of my favorites. One time I was talking to this dude I know. I'm like, hey, man, what's uh, what's going on with you this week, dude? He's like, oh, well, uh, we're going out this weekend. We're going to celebrate a co-worker's birthday. I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, but uh, he's gay, so we're going to a gay bar. I'm like, all right, sure. And then he adds, yeah, but it's in the daytime, it's a good neighborhood, so it should be okay. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Of course you're going to be okay, man. They're gay dudes, not gremlins. Like, what do you think's going to happen? The sun will go down and be like, there's one, get him! <laughs> oh, 
hold him down. He's so soft. Oh, don't cry. You're only making it worse. Pretty sure that's not how that works. We would have heard something. And while I'm in the neighborhood, if you are a closeted gay man and you compensate through homophobia, could you please fucking stop that? Could you knock that shit off? Because I don't know what it is about these guys, but they love me. They fucking love me like catnip. I don't know why. Like, I get it. I understand. I blip on some people's gaydar. I get that. I'm not gay, I don't think. Uh, like, I'm straight, but I'm angry, so who knows, right? Right? You always hear that story about that one dude who's just a dick his entire life. Then he gets to his 50s, he's like, Oh, I just want to balls in my mouth. And now he's fine, right? Yeah, he's off at Pride, he's dancing. I'm pretty, whatever. And if you're not laughing, it might be you, dude. I'm so sorry. You have to find out this way. But these fucking guys, oh my god, they always lock onto me. It's always like this really creepy, intense vibe. Like, yeah, yeah, what are you, what are you, big homo? Yeah, big homo, you probably want to put your big, beautiful balls in my mouth. Yeah, that's what you want. It's not going to happen. No, it will not happen. No, no. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home to my beautiful wife. Yes. Yes, I have a wife. Okay. We're going to get naked, and I'm going to make sweet love to her. I'm going to go down. I'm going to eat her. I love it so much of it. Dude, fucking relax. You are ruining my bathhouse experience. So are you good at drawing? Um, alright. I actually, oddly enough, recently started drawing again. I'm trying to get to the point where I can do uh, decent drawing because um, I wrote, last fall, I wrote a She-Hulk spec script just because I, I love She-Hulk. I love the idea of a She-Hulk movie. So I, I wrote it and I started posting it online and no one gave a shit. And I was like... Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. And I was like, well, I don't... And it, when you think about it, what did you expect to happen? Like, was Marvel going to be like, this is great. We'll make a movie. It was silly. But I was like, it feels bad to just leave this lying there. So now the plan is... Then I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to make a webcomic. Uh, and then I'll get a comic book artist. And I have friends who are comic book artists. And they were like, oh, it's going to be expensive. And sure enough, like, the quotes... So if you're gonna like you know like you 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 run chuckles and you pay people decently, if you're gonna pay people decently, it would be it would be something like I think like four thousand dollars for like one issue or something like that. Wow, and I'm like that's a little prohibitive. That is <laughs> well said. Prohibitive <laughs> is the word I was looking for, and it's very yeah. But I love what you said about a She-Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, so that's very progressive, thinking She's, of a She-Hulk. Well, now, is the She-Hulk something that came out of your mind, or is that something that pre-existed and never really caught on from Marvel? It or? pre-existed and never really caught on from Marvel, and it drives me crazy. I have a friend who explained to me that apparently the head of Marvel is incredibly, staggeringly sexist and apparently semi-racist or whatever, so... Cool. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> that's finally! Uh, finally! <laughs> so, so that's why we didn't have, like, a... There was no Black Widow movie for the longest time. Black Panther. Uh, and Black Panther, they weren't even going to... Fabulous movie. Loved it. Right, but... I love that movie. They weren't... Anyway, so... But I'm the guy who liked cool. Waterworld, too. Wow. Yeah, I'm wow. the guy. I liked Waterworld. Okay, wait. Liked or, like, really liked? No, no. I didn't love it. Oh, I just, yeah. I like, sat through it, and I was like, that was an adventure. Right. Catching right. fish with nets and drinking your own urine. You okay. Know you know what's the dumbest is that Kevin Costner is a multi-millionaire, and he 
is is fine and is come on man. Be you fine, you gonna tell you're gonna tell me Waterworld and Postman. I felt bad for him because I was like, oh, that's that's too bad. But so I, you're telling me you didn't like this sea the sea dew <laughs> pirates? You didn't like me. <laughs> I don't. You know what it is when when I say like, it's one of those things where, and we're we're I'm, I'm I'm dating myself, but it's like you know it's one of those things where where if Shawshank's on in the afternoon on a Sunday you watch it. If oh right. If it's like there's all those class of movies like a, I think American Gangster is kind of like that. There's some movies where like you don't love them, but it's like oh it's I'll watch this. It's Sunday afternoon. I'll watch this even though I've seen it before. Yeah. I wouldn't put Waterworld. Waterworld, I'll find something. No, I, that was a one and done. Yeah. 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 I saw it, but I I didn't have the anger that a lot of people had toward it, but it was funny because I mean, that they spent like hundreds of millions of dollars doing that movie. I think right? that so, was probably the problem, right? If yeah. they hadn't spent hundreds of millions of dollars, they would have been like, "Ooh, that's cuz that shit happens all the time." Like, like Yeah. People will put out bad movies, and you're like, oh, you don't even hear about them. Like, Dances with Wolves was a decent story for its time. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. however, it's... you know, when you say Waterworld, that is completely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the Postman, I didn't even understand what was happening. I was like, what are, what are we doing here? We're delivering mail in the future, but it's also the past? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. What's that your was... favorite movie? My favorite movie. Um, okay, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I find it really hard to have a favorite movie. Right. No, I have favorites. That's fine. Favorites okay. with a plural. What are some of your favorites? Uh, some of my favorites, I would say Network, uh, which I don't know if you've seen it. No. It's this great movie. Okay, I think it's a great movie. But here's the thing now. I realize that I'm an old man. So right. like back in the day when you were growing up, you'd have old people say, oh, you got to see this movie. It's amazing. And then you'd watch it and you'd be it's like, just it's okay. okay. It's all right. So I don't know if I'm that guy now. But uh, Network was this movie uh, in 1976, and the premise is there's a guy who is a, um, a news uh, telecaster, uh, and he gets fired because his ratings are down, so he threatens to kill himself on air, um, and the ratings shoot up. And so uh, a whole bunch of stuff happens, and eventually they fucking promo him, and he has a mental breakdown, and they promo him. Like, I don't know if you ever heard the quote, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I've heard that. That is from that movie. It's, oh, he's wow. got this great speech where he just loses it. And this is old, an old movie. It's 1976, but you wow. can listen to, you could Google, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore, and you can listen to the speech and remove a few things, and it's basically the same shit that, wow. that people are mad about today. It's crazy. It's a crazy speech. It's yeah. just a beautiful yeah. moment with an actor that yeah. you yeah. you think is uh, one yeah. of the best moments. Uh, so I like that. I also, out of superhero movies, I think uh, Winter Soldier, Captain America Winter Soldier was my favorite. That's a pretty good one. Um, I also like Thor Ragnarok, but I think, uh, yeah. Um, then, uh I'm sure, like, after after we're done, I'm going to think of, like, a billion other ideas. Exactly. I'm like, oh, what is this movie? Do you want to know mine? Yes. Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man yeah. is your favorite movie. One of them. Interesting. Yes. I think, though, a big part of that, I find, like, there's, there's that's why American Gangster, I brought that up. Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington are these actors that are so charismatic that you can put them in a movie not that I'm saying Cinderella Man is bad well, or not good but like you can put them in a movie like like Gladiator Gladiator was okay it was an okay premise but it's basically a guy's family is killed and he gets revenge that's the whole movie but you watch it because you, he's just a watchable dude yes I find yes and I think what I liked about Cinderella Man was it's, a, it's based on a true story which I always love 
Right, right, right. But also it's the story about a man who couldn't provide from his for his family in the Depression, and his heart was breaking. And, you know, he there's this beautiful scene where he is, they're all eating, I don't know if it's bologna or what they're cooking for breakfast. Right, right, right. But he sees that his kid is still hungry. Yeah. And he goes, you know what? I had a dream last night that I ate a big steak, and I woke up really full. You have mine. And he scrapes it onto his kid uh-huh. plate, and the wife is like, honey, like, no, don't right, do that, because right. she knows he has to go to work at the port, you know, and his hand is all fucked up. He's a boxer, so he can't fight, and they're, you know. So there's so many crazy things happening in that movie, and the and this story is such an interesting um but I, I love I love the story of people like it. It wouldn't have to be a famous person. Right. Like right. once at my mother's house, I read uh, the story of E. D. Smith. It that was called the, it's called the house that Jam built, okay. and it's the story oh, of the E. D. Smith that's why company. It's familiar. I buy that jam. Yeah, that's, that's why right. Familiar. That's right. So I I could listen to uh, the life story of a plumber. Yeah, you know, I just I find human beings fascinating, right, right. especially old people. Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you listen to and talk to a lot of elderly people when you can or Yeah, I mean uh depending on depending on the old person of course, but like sometimes, you know, you just you 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 get like a whole bunch of stories where you're like it's so weird cuz like a lot of them are just quiet and then you'll be like, "Oh, what about this?" "Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I killed a man." "What?" <laughs> like, <Yeah. it's> like, <laughs> "Where did that come from?" "What?" Like it's all these crazy stories. Yeah, so, and uh, and like, you know, my ex-wife's grandfather he was telling me about christmas time just getting an orange and a handful of raisins and yeah. that was it so i i just love hearing about people's lives and so yeah. that's why i was so interested when you said you're growing up in ottawa what was that like yeah and then sort of okay so childhood were you uh, uh would you say that you were a popular kid would you say that you were the funny class clown what was childhood like for you um, it was, it, it was, it's weird because I remember it, well, like we were poor, but I remember it. You were poor. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How not poor? Like, not, not, sometimes I think not poor enough. Not poor enough to bring it up, right? Because it's like, <laughs> we were poor, but then I'll hear other comics talk about like fucking water and cereal. I was like, whoa, I'm not, wasn't that poor. It wasn't water and cereal poor. But it wasn't water and cereal. <laughs> but we were poor. Uh, but it was still like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, it was just, it was still a fun imaginative time um and so yeah it was certainly that's when your love of comic books and drawing came into play yeah yeah, yeah. and i was i mean i was always funny did you draw in your notes my friends did you draw in your notebooks as opposed to oh yeah like i drew everywhere i drew all the time yeah uh yeah now trying to now i'm trying to learn so i can just draw my own comic book and, and it's and it's it's a lot of work. I'll do like I'll do like a page of sketching, and it's frustrating because it's. Uh, I was telling my girlfriend this the other day. It's the dip, right? Like when you start. I think Seth Godin coined this term, the dip, where it's like when you start something new. There's the initial excitement where you're like, oh, and you're very passionate about it, and then when you get really good at it, you're passionate about it. But between those two, there's the dip, where you're not good at it, and it's kind of not new. And you got to grind through that dip. He probably has advice on how to get through that. I feel like I'm a human dip. And there are two people (laughs) on either side of my life. Like the initial excitement, then I'm the dip. And then the the other person on the other end is the champion. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But um, 
so you, but you seem very sunny and optimistic and bubbly. Like, are you, you an optimist? I am now. You literally caught me. I'm gonna say two or three or four months after uh, a 180. Uh, not even two or three. It's been two months. Because before, before uh, I was filled with like existential angst, and I still struggle with it a bit, but not the uh, world is ending angst that I had. Like I was, I was not in a good place before. Um, but then, uh, and I was telling this, uh, telling you guys this at lunch. I read the book. This book, uh, it's it's better than it looks, which is this guy who painstakingly researched uh, what has to. It has taken him years, um, but he researched different reasons for why we're not fucked as a species, right? Uh, and he just laid it all out, and now I'm like, okay, all right. Like, it's it's calmed my nervous system. That's great. Um, and yeah, I do think, I think, I, I think I'm an optimist, and this is going to sound arrogant, but whatever, here it is. Uh, uh, I find the only thing that doesn't make me that I that I struggle with is like sometimes when you bump against people who are I don't know I wouldn't even call them pessimists they're just limited in what they think is possible and it's so frustrating no 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 I fe I feel very much oh okay sorry I thought you were no, saying but you were one of them no I'm I'm going through that now where right. it's like I've chosen not to watch the news right because. I'm starting to affect my children and my wife. Right. I want to be an optimist and positive, and right. I want to see the good things. And even today, uh, I saw a story about the right whales returning right. to wherever they returned to when they're migrating, and they didn't think they were going to, but they're in larger numbers than they were in 2017 right, and 2018. Right, 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 yeah. And I know that it's there's this cheesy thing about whales and hope, but it's right. just like, oh, okay, something good happened, and I have to admit something good happened. Yeah. yeah. So that's really great for my psyche, and that's why staying away from social media comments and things, that really helps me. Yeah. Did you I, find that you went through all of that? Oh, God, yeah. Like, I was I was in a... This was all this year, Jesus Christ. It was it was a really bad time in that uh, uh, I was supposed to write for the Beaverton. Uh, I was asked to write for the Beaverton, and they were like, oh, how about December? And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it because I was so... I was feeling so bleak about the state of affairs that I was like, I can't, the Beaverton is you read the worst news all day and then you make jokes about it. And I was like, I'm, I'm it's not, I'm going to be mentally ill. Like I'm going to burn out. And so I met with Jeff Detsky, who was totally understanding. Jeff Detsky is the showrunner and I explained to him and he was totally understanding, which was great. Um, uh, and so I was in that spot, but then of course I read, I read this book and now I'm, I'm a lot better. The only thing, uh, when I say when I say people who don't have vision, it's this thing of like I bump into this a lot, and I just find it exhausting. Where it's like, you say, "Hey, let's try this," right? I'm not even going to specify what it is. Let's try this, and they're like, "No," because of this, this, and this, and this. And you're like, "Okay, but let's at least try." Or, or I'm not saying like let's let's you know let's never stop, never let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can. Where it's like, okay maybe we're going to get a no or maybe this won't work, but at least let's try it or let's semi-test it. And it, I find that is what really uh, is just the the thing that really drives me bonkers. And I have a hair trigger reaction where I'll be like, guys, come on, meet me halfway. Like it's, it's, 
And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, right? No, I don't think so. I think it's exhausting to be an optimist. Yeah. And it's exhausting to be a pessimist. I think... I think it's more exhausting to be a pessimist, though. I think so. Yeah. I think it's more Mm -hmm. draining. Yeah. You you were talking about, when you were writing, the the mental uh, um, exhaustion that it... Yeah. can create like well, it's a different kind the, of muscle it's specifically a for the beaver do- oh no you were talking about sorry sorry what I was talking about earlier well no you but I'm, I'm trying to apply lunch. to our current conversation <laughs> which is you know as exhausting as it is to run into negative people and I and I kind of understand that and I've actually unfollowed people on Facebook that are constantly posting oh god yeah we're probably gonna oh, die god. today yeah. they're Eeyores from Winnie the yeah, Pooh right they're like, like nothing okay. good will ever yeah. happen yeah it's like I can't and what really scares me is I kind of agree with them sometimes, right. and I don't want to. I'm right. just like, okay, but what about the whales? What, what about <laughs> – let's get back to the whales. Let's get back to, you know, things that are looking up because there are things that there are, you know, looking up. Like we don't, yeah. we don't have polio anymore, you yeah. know, like – There's let, a lot of stuff. Like it's, it's – again, and I – whatever. I, this, this new book is clearly my Bible. Um, but if you look at it, if you look at it big picture, we're trending up pretty hard. Like you can say, oh, what about this? What about that? But you, you got to also look at the progress. We've made. You got to look, if you look at the whole picture, we're doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's, the thing is, yeah, it's just, it, what it is, 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 it's how we're wired, right? Like he points this out in the book where, where back in the day, you know, if there was two two people like in in the in the fucking savanna and there's a bush moving, the one person who's like that's probably trouble. I'm out of here is going to survive longer than the other person who's like <laughs> that's probably someone friendly. I'm just going to go hang out, right? Like that person's fucking dead. So we're wired to like, oh fuck, this is trouble. This is trouble. This Fight is or trouble. flight. Yeah, everything everything that's unclear, we just hedge towards the negative, just just in case. So and the future is always unclear. So we hedge towards negative, but that's not accurate. You look at, like, you look at, you know, 70s, I, there's a whole bunch of, you know, shows and documentaries in the 70s talking about, by 1990, the planet will be covered in water or whatever, right? Like, it was, we, we do this all the time. We literally predict that the world is going to end all the goddamn time. And it's not. Now, that doesn't guarantee that it won't end, but you also gotta, you know, it's like if you're on a plane... There's no guarantee the plane isn't going to crash, but if you look at the history of planes and like how things work, you got to lean more towards we're probably going to land. And it doesn't do anybody any good to look over at the person next to you and go, "We're probably going to crash." This is the thing. This is the we're other probably going to fucking crash. Yeah, you the, realize these are all just nuts and bolts and gears turning. Like, right, yeah, their mechanical failure yeah. is imminent. Yeah, and, and it is. But it's that is. The but thing. what are that's, you going to focus on? That, and that's also a very important thing. Where it's like, uh, this was the thing that that I remember. Uh, like I remember in 2012, there was a playoff uh, matchup in, in basketball. In case you don't know, Clippers and Grizzlies. It's the fourth quarter. Clippers are down 27 or 29 points. Right, that's the game. It's over. Uh, but Chris Paul, who is the Clippers' leading point guard. Uh, he's like, don't take me out of the game. We're, we're fucking winning this game, right? And so the coach is like, all right, fine. The smart thing to do is you pull your players and you just prevent risk of injury. You pull all your starters and you just prepare for the next game and hope that you win the series. But Chris Paul's like, no, we're doing this. And so 
sure enough, I mean, you clearly have guessed, they won. They came back and won, right? But now, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Chris Paul looks like a fucking lunatic, right? Like, no one thinks that they're good. Nobody. Like, the Grizz are laughing because, like, the game is over. So, this is the thing, to your point about it not being helpful. Like, let's say you're right and we only have a 5% chance to survive or whatever, which I don't think is true. But even if you only have that 5% chance, you got to be fully... You got to be like, I'm winning this. I am getting that 5%. I'm, we're winning this. Because if you don't, you know, then you lose your 5%. And then it goes down to zero. I mean, at the very least, you may as well struggle. What the fuck else are you going to do, right? Like we're When here. that buzzer is about to go, you might as well throw the Hail Mary yeah, three-pointer. exactly. Right? Exactly. You got to keep playing. What are you going to do? Keep playing. And do, I mean, what else are you got to do? Just sit around on the bench and be like, we're losing this game. Yeah, let we it, know we're let losing it happen. this game, man. Like, don't, it's crazy. Don't let it happen. Yeah, the only satisfaction you can get <laughs> is like, well, I'm going to play my ass off at least. Yeah. Say that, the human being, right? Uh, and this happened. I mentioned I was uh, in Ottawa doing shows. So I'm doing shows at night, during the daytime, I'm going to hang out with friends and family just to fucking kill so much time. <laughs> that you have there. And at one point, me and my best friend from childhood were hanging out, and he's like, hey man, what do you want to do today? I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I'm like, wait, let's do this. Let's get big Slurpees, like we used to do when we were kids. And then we'll just walk around the old hood, visit all the old like spots, right? So we do that, and it's cool, but it's weird because everything's changed, so I'm freaking out. And at one point, we're in the community center we used to hang out in all the time. We're like, oh fuck, dude, check it out. That's the pool, that's the swimming pool. We used to swim when we were kids, I say. And he says, yes, that is the pool, but I think they've made it smaller. I'm like, no, they haven't made it smaller. We've gotten bigger, right? Like it used to be this big, now we're this big. So it just, it looks smaller. He's like, nah, I read somewhere that they made it smaller. I'm like, where would you have read that they made a swimming pool smaller? Like, who's going to blog about that fuck face, right? And then we get into it. Like, we're just going back and forth, and neither of us is backing down. And this goes on for a solid three minutes, and then I realize we have to go. Because we are two grown men drinking Slurpees watching children swim. <laughs> Not my best move, St. John. Not my like, staff getting understandably nervous, like, can I help you? No, no, just looking. <laughs> my friend and I were having a little debate about size. <laughs> I used to live in, you know, but I went away for 10 years. And I think that's what human beings are doing right now. Yeah. I mean, and just... we'll continue to do, and I think those numbers will grow. And, yeah. And I think that we will win our battles. I, I think so. I mean, maybe that's not you. And we're fighting a lot of battles as human beings right yeah. now. You know, there's yeah. A, there's, there's the social climate. There's the actual environment climate. There's the, yeah. you know, humanity is progressing. And so there's some resistance to that. And, um, of course, there's just war, as there has always been, and, and famine and all of those things. But... You know, pound for pound, if you look at it, you know, a lot of villages have been built up in the third world. We are uh, getting rid of some of those diseases in the third world. Yeah. And in the first world, we're realizing, hey, a lot of screen time is bad for our kids. So let's pull back a little bit. Yeah. I think we are going to get to a point where we're more balanced. I think so. I mean, I think so. It's it's. But I wouldn't think so unless I talked to people like you. <laughs> if I just if I just sat in a chair and had CNN in right. front of me. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and Facebook commented all day, yeah. I would probably just turn into a pile of. That's the thing. They're not gonna. You know, they'll report about oh this is happening, but they're not gonna report like oh last year. I read this somewhere, like last year, uh, or maybe the year before, there was like five million scientific papers came out. Five million. 
somewhere in there has to be a game-changing fucking idea, right? <laughs> but we just haven't been able to catch up to all of the stuff that we're doing. That's how fucking busy we are. Like, that's how much people are working, right? Like, it's it's easy to get, and this is also something that, that's in the book, uh, it's easy to get sort of locked into this idea of like, oh, we're going to die if you believe in stagnation, but we've never been stagnant, right? The example the guy uh, gives in the book, which I fucking blew my mind, is he brings up this guy, Norman Borlaug, who I never heard of in my life. You ever heard of Norman Borlaug? No. He's the reason <laughs> we're alive today, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. really? So him and a group of Mexican scientists whose names I should know but don't. This is terrible. Uh... So if you go back to the 1800s, you had a bunch of people who were like, we're fucked, we're doomed, because if our uh, population keeps growing at this rate, we're fucked, it's over, it's over. We won't have enough food to feed them by 19-whatever-whatever, whatever, right? <laughs> uh, and then Norman Borlaug was this fucking wheat nerd, and him and a bunch of other wheat nerds in the 40s and 50s made uh, farming, That's their that was their whole gig, they made it way more efficient and way more, like, just better, like, better yields, and now we're at a point where it's like fucking... You know what the leading cause of death in Mexico is? Obesity. That's how much fucking food we have. India. India. Mexico? India exports food. That's how much food we have. Like, if you have starving people, it's not from a lack of calories. It's from uh, a distribution problem. It's like someone is stopping those people from getting food. We got food, right? And bear in mind, this was the thing that was going to kill us. So you can look at climate change and say, oh, we're fucked. If... But I'm like, there's nine, eight, nine billion of us? We don't have another Norman Borlaug kicking around in there? I don't believe it. I think, I think just statistically, like if you take every human being as a lottery ticket, one of those bitches is paying off. One, right? of, one of them is a, a scientist that is going to change everything. Uh, some, some kind of mass, the, the ma from the masters of agriculture the, yeah. to people that, uh, yeah. you know, come up with, you know, what about that guy that cured polio? I mean, right, exactly. Probably a smart guy. There's always, like, if you look back, there's always a major discovery that happens every few years, like, you know. Yeah. And you just... Yeah, like, you know what they're not talking about? They have, I, I don't know if they have a cure, but if you have the HIV virus, yeah, they now have a way to hold it at the HIV stage forever. Yeah, and this is the thing. you'll never develop AIDS. Yeah, and, and people how, aren't celebrating that? that. People are like, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. what's on Netflix? We never we, like. No, you don't understand. People exactly. don't have to have AIDS anymore. Yeah, why is it anybody screaming this from the rooftops? And it's crazy because you look at that. You look at that, and I don't know when that would have been. I mean, obviously, they've been able to extend people's lives for a long time. But, like, whenever that became news, how was that not the leading story, right? Because if you have that, you're saving, I don't know, millions of lives? Let's call it millions. Probably millions of lives. So you're saving millions of lives. Millions of lives were saved by this event. Meanwhile, a fire in downtown killed, like, three people. Fire in downtown probably led the news block. Which yeah. is fucking insane. No disrespect to those three people. But if you're going by numbers, which... Do yeah. saving X million people should be a way bigger story. Everyone should know about this. Like I know about, you know, if I watch the news, I know about like 9/11. I know about terrorist attacks. I know about like the situation in uh, Iran. I know about all that, but I don't know about that. That's crazy. That That's is crazy. It is like, insane. It's yeah. It I remember this. during 9/11, simultaneously there was a tsunami in the Philippines. Yeah, that killed sixty thousand brown right. people. Right. 
Meanwhile, 3,000 white people die in New York yeah. and everybody loses their fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, where are the monuments for the 60,000 Filipinos? Yeah, and you can't bring that up because people will be like, what's wrong with you, blah, blah, blah. You don't support the like, troops. Yeah, it's, it's like, what are you talking so about? Weird. I support everybody. Yeah, I want everybody to live and not have AIDS and live in a great world. And <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, get that on a t-shirt. I want everybody to live and not have AIDS. Yeah, man. That's me. That's just who I am. It's how I roll as a human, you know? <laughs> I'm quirky like that. I'm very anti-AIDS. But uh, I love talking about world stuff with you, but let's get back to yes. uh, you as a human sure. being now. Uh, so Niall it comes out of childhood. He likes to draw, and then he. What does he do next? What is the next big thing? Do, like, do you get into uh, like going to parties? Like, you become a teenager. You're getting into manhood. Like, what is that stage oh, like? Yeah, I was just kind of a wallflower nerdy type. Uh, so yeah, not not super eventful teenage years. Didn't get into a lot of trouble, but I don't know a lot of people who did. Um, and then university, I started and went in and got a, like, a BA in psych just because it was hilarious. I, I can't believe I was about to say that. But, yeah, all of my friends did it. So I basically followed – because that that's the thing, you know, we came up from – I came up from a poor family and not a lot of people had graduated from university. So it was just this thing of, like, oh, yeah, you go to university. They were still operating on, like, 1980s, 1970s mentality where it's like, oh, yeah, you go to university, you get a BA, and that then you're making 60 grand a year. That's how that works. And it's like I signed up into the university that like, the, you know, at exactly the moment where that stopped being a thing, basically. Did you feel like you were going through the motions? Oh, like, God, yeah, because there's no passion really... to it. There's no passion to it. No passion. It was no. like uh, it wasn't it wasn't a drive. I w it wasn't like, oh, my God, I really want to be a psychologist. It was it was a here's our catalog of things you can be. And, OK, I guess that one like that's. Yeah, that was the. So you did least. it. I did it. Um, Did you get the degree or you quit before that? I got the degree and I should have quit before that. And, it, and it, it's a BA in what? It's a BA in psych. In psych. In psych. I should find my degree and frame it. So what does that... I that, have no idea where it is. That means you could be a psychiatrist? No, not even. What does that mean? It means literally nothing. It means I'm qualified to apply for a master's or a PhD. I'm qualified to keep learning. It's... So useless. It's, it's a stepping honest. stone to the next level of yeah. education. Yeah. yeah. So say you were to go back to become a PhD or whatever sure, it is. Sure, yeah. That would take you an additional five or ten years? Something like that. Something. Okay. And, and you'd rather tell dirty jokes instead. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you don't actually tell that many dirty jokes. But you're, you know, you just, at what point did you decide that you're going to change your career arc to do something else? It was a, sometime in university... Uh, towards the tail end, I I did it, I did it weirdly because I did it like I tried it, and then I waited like a year or two and then tried it again. So it was like this weird. When people ask me when did you start comedy, I usually take the year that I started doing it seriously because I. Uh, uh, so it was in university, and I did like a few sets, and you know the I was finishing up the BA and that was trending down, but I was doing really well, relatively speaking, in comedy. Uh, like I was, I was making a lot of progress early, so I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go, go with this option <laughs> since it's, it's it seems to be." Because uh, uh, you said better. you were pretty good right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was. Uh, you you weren't as good as you are group. now, but you no, you started with some real ability. Yeah, yeah. It was. Did like you a, even know you had this ability? Was it a surprise to you? Uh, yeah, to be honest, like I didn't think it was. I didn't think. I just thought, you know, I just assumed 
everyone had it <laughs> type thing. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. It was, I remember it being, despite the fact that like I really enjoyed drawing and everything, I remember it being the first thing that was easy. It was the first thing where I was like, oh, this isn't hard. I could keep doing this. And, <laughs> and people seem impressed. So I, I just. I'm the opposite. Was it was really hard for me to do comedy. Okay. But it was the first thing that I felt like I was exceptional at. Right. Right. As opposed to, yes, I am a licensed Red Seal construction electrician. Right. It took nine, uh, five years and 9,000 hours of practical training. Holy and four block provincial exams. 9,000 years? How many years is that? Or, sorry, 9,000 9, hours. No, but approximately years five years of steady work. So it took me about eight years to get it. Nine, in 2016, I got my electrical license. And I was very proud of it and everything else. But I immediately... I felt the creative part of me sort of start to die. Right. And <clears throat> when... When life became about my family and bills and what I should do versus being on stage and making people laugh, you know, I, I'm constantly struggling between am I a selfish person for wanting this different comedian life yeah. or am I doing it right and I've got a good balance and I shouldn't worry so much and I should get out of my own head. Yeah. So there's all these interesting thoughts that I have. So that's why I'm so interested in asking how you feel about your relationship with comedy and, and what your experience is. So you, when you're on stage, like last night, yeah. what was going through your mind? Because, I mean, I can tell the listening audience right now that you were phenomenal. You were making people laugh. It was great. They seemed to pay more attention to you than the other comedians. There seemed to be this genuine connection you had with them. You're very relatable and animated and funny and all of the things that comedians should be. And that's all very interesting. Right. But what did you experience when you're up there? Uh, I think and this is this is interesting. Like, uh, I don't know about you, but I find like a lot of comedians have a lot of shit going on in their own heads. I think it's a it's a it's a job that attracts you know uh, people with their troubles. So I find that when I'm on stage, that's the only time I have a clear head. It's the only time I'm not thinking about, oh, fuck, I got to do this, I got to do that. Like, I also have uh, AD, ADHD, I think it's called. So that doesn't help. But it, when I'm on stage is the only time where I'm not thinking about something else or I'm not, like, so So when I'm on stage, I'm not, I'm not thinking about anything. <laughs> like, I'm not, unless I'm having, like, a really bad day, and then, it, then I think the show is shittier because I'm not concentrating on what I'm doing. But, like, yeah, getting up on stage is I guess, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole, what is it? Fear of public speaking is the number one fear or number two fear or something like that. So I think it takes that much of a fear to sort of clear out all of the junk from my head so that I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, do you think about anything? Because when I'm up there, I just, you just I do feel it. exactly the same it. way. And right. I'm, I'm so fascinated that yeah. we both feel that because I, I feel like I, I think that's why. Wow, I'm, not, I'm not. And my sister, who was at the show last night, I should have introduced you. Oh, yeah. Um, she <laughs> said, Are you drunk? And, and I said, No, I'm honestly, I'm just not at work right now. Yeah. My boss isn't at the bottom of my ladder yeah. making me nervous. 
I feel great right now. I'm I'm in the comedy world, but on stage when I do have the the chance to perform, and I don't perform at the club hardly ever. If a host cancels or something, yeah. I'll do something like that. Every night, Julie and I get up and talk about the sponsors and all that stuff. So I have a little opportunity to make fun and and stuff like that, but. I don't put myself in the position where people that come every month see me again. Yeah. So what I do is, oh, shit, like Niall's flight got canceled or something. Oh, I'm filling in, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. And but that's, that's, that's smart business, right? Or, if I mean, person. don't get me wrong. If there's someone else available within right. a town or two away right, right, right. that we can get within a few hours' notice or something. But it's like, and we were talking about this, is the, the, the way your show is built up. You can't have any repetition. No, I don't want, I don't, yeah. I want to give the audience the best show that I can. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I just, that's what I would want to see, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. but being on the performance side of it, when I'm performing, like, I got so... How should I put it? Unsatisfied with the frequency of being able to perform that I actually created uh, a tour. Right. Based on like, you know, four or five locals that were pretty good. And I call it the best of New Brunswick comedy tour. Nice. And I call up bars and I arrange this. And we, and we did our first show a few weeks ago. And I felt like fantastic. The, the best I've felt in a long time. Right. And June 7th, we're doing it again in Fredericton, in New Brunswick. And then we're going to, in September 20th, we're, we're going to do a show in St. John at this marina. That's great. Can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Now I have those things that I'm looking forward to. Do you have things on the horizon like that? Do you create opportunities for yourself in terms of like booking a show, yeah. uh, booking a festival, booking, you know what I mean? Um. Yeah, I mean, I try to, but I don't think I'm as, as good at it as you are. I don't have anything right now, and that's a good point. Like, I should do that. I should have something to sort of, like, look down and be like, okay, that, you know? Because you always want to have, especially when you're in this industry, you need to have well, if I put semi-light at the if end. If I put time. Shane Ogden on a poster, people are like, okay. Right. But if I put the best in New Brunswick comedy tour, even that's if we're not. Yeah, you can sell that. And actually we're pretty good so when we show up and do a show and people are happy and they're laughing right. they're like okay cool nice. I've heard of those guys and maybe they'll say something about it, nice about us and, and refer us so that's what I'm suggesting to other comedians is that put something together that's like a package that you yeah. can sell yeah, right yeah. and um, it's like I've noticed all female comedy shows very popular like we have a lot around here um, Nikki Payne teaches a class in Moncton. Oh, no It's like cool. all girls. And, like, girls will come out of her class. So, like, she's, like, pumping out all these, like, yeah. open mic girls that right. are, like, they've never done comedy. Maybe they're, like, uh, changing careers or maybe they're just stay-at-home moms that want to, like, try stand-up. Right. And then they come out and they're doing these all-female shows. Now, I suggested all-female shows... Um, to Julie and she thinks it's a good idea so like anything that we can package to people it's yeah. like you know if there's a group of people coming from Nova Scotia like the the blue nosers you know or whatever sure. it is you know yeah, what yeah. I mean so um, do you, you don't think about the marketing side of it that much but you're so busy with your own like solo stuff right I, I, mean, I don't but I should I mean that's you think so smart. That's, yeah that's a smart move that's a smart like uh, one thing uh, 
there's a guy that I worked with. You know Sugar Sammy? Yes. Right. I mean, I don't know him, but right. I but obviously you know I know of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I opened for him because I did a bit of stand up in French. Uh, I opened for him when he did his uh, bilingual show in Montreal, and that guy that guy has always been had been amazing at the balance of uh, uh, art and business. Like he's never he's been he's always been able to do both and just clear, just crystal clear in his head. I know he had training as a promoter, so I'm not sure if it comes from that or if he's just gifted in both. Because he's funny, but he's also, like, he's always had... And so he would, even before he broke out with the French and bilingual stuff, he had, like, he was doing well. Like, he would he'd do tours. He was doing well enough so that he could go to a club and get a door deal, right? Yeah. Rather than the usual pay me this fee. So he was, like, selling out and, you know, he knew how to get it done. Um, and, it, like, just that kind of stuff where you're like, man, I wish I could do that. And then, of course... The, the the Juste Pour Rire was the, the name of the show. He thought, it's such a great story. Uh, he tried to sell it to Just for Laughs. No, sorry, not Juste Pour Rire. Uh, you're Gonna Rire, the bilingual show. Um, you're Gonna Hate It, it's called? No, You're Gonna Rire, right? So you're gonna, you're, Rire is the French word for laugh. So it's like, okay, a, cool. it's like a, a, a bilingual, it's a bilingual show. So it's a bilingual title. Uh and so he sold the idea, he tried to sell the idea to Just for Laughs. He's like, we're going to do a bilingual show in Montreal, and I'm going to do the whole show. We're going to switch and toggle back to French and English. And they're like, nah, it's not going to work. <laughs> so so he's like, well, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do it myself. So he rents a theater, and it, originally it was four shows. Uh, and the tickets go on sale, and it sells out in hours. And then he just keeps adding shows. And then by the end of it, bear in mind, by the end of the my run, he kept doing shows after I left. By the end of my run, we had done 50 shows. It was a fucking 1,300-seat wow. venue. It, 50 shows in one venue? In one city. Uh, a while ago, I did shows in the UK, which was really interesting. I was a little nervous before I went out, though, because I'd never done shows in the UK, so I didn't know if there was going to be like some cultural differences. So I asked a bunch of comics, hey, is there anything I should know about UK audiences? Right? And all of them, sure, I only asked five, but still all of them, said exactly the same thing. They're like, okay, look, dude, right? UK audiences are super cool, but what you need to understand is they fucking heckle, okay? And they are fucking fast. So if you get heckled in the UK and you're not as fast as heckler, you will lose the whole room, right? So I go out there and I'm fucking terrified. Like the most stressful flight ever. Uh, and it was fine, it was fine. I did the shows, I got heckled a few times and I dealt with it, but I do want to share for you now the most clever heckle I got the entire time I was in the UK. I'm on stage in London at this funky little underground club, right? And I'm not 15 seconds into it. Some dude at the back room goes, Lionel Richie! <laughs> and that was it. That was all he had. I, I just kept looping it like I hadn't heard him. Like, no, and not anything more modern, right? Not like Bruno Mars. No, Lionel Richie. How is that? How would you live since the mid 1980s without seeing another light-skinned black man? Like how? How is that possible? What the fuck was that? Like, did he actually think I was Lionel Richie? Right? Or was Lionel Richie creeping up behind me and he's just trying to warn me? Oh, Lionel Richie! <laughs> or maybe that was just like his Negro alert that his mom taught him when he was like seven. Right? Well. If you see a Negro, you get Lionel Richie! <laughs> and the bodies will be around right snapperish. 
Snappers sounds like something they'd say, right? In a little fucking Hobbit version of English. <laughs> See, I'm up here shit-talking the guy, but obviously he won because I'm still talking about the guy, right? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about this guy the entire flight back. I was like, what the fuck was that? And then halfway over the Atlantic, because I'm neurotic, right? I start getting into my own head. I'm like, wait, what if that was so stupid? It was actually smart. Like, what if he dropped that and all the British people in the room were like, <laughs> he gave him the line of Richie. Let's see you get out of this one, chocolate. That's unbelievable. It's I've never even heard of that. That is madness. It's madness. <laughs> <laughs> From there, uh, he went on to do uh, stand-up just strictly in French. Like, he did a Quebec tour. I didn't even know Sugar Sammy did French. Oh yeah, he's, or was French, dude. Like he is—he's—he's—he owns Quebec. He owns the French uh, uh, stand-up. Cool. And he's doing it in France now. Awesome. Like, so been, that, yeah. there's a whole nother market. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that is a guy who's like he. That's knows. what I was saying about content creation, like YouTube and all of the social media, like Instagram, television, all of that stuff yeah. is like you re—you can reach the world. Yeah. And I think that people underestimate that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think what happens, and this is understandable, I think people look at it and be like, yeah, sure, I can do a thing, but it's like I'm competing with so many other content creators. That's true. So I can true. understand how that would be intimidating. But again, it goes back to the 5% thing, right? If you only have a 5% chance of succeeding, there's no point in not doing it and seeing. True, but it also goes to the fact if you're talking to the whole world, even if you had point zero 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 one percent of the world still a, a massive audience that's a lot yeah yeah exactly yeah and you never know right there's like a kid who i guess is not a kid anymore i think his name was pewdiepie yes and he just plays video games and it, makes 10 million dollars a year he does meme review i i watch Amazing. pewdiepie every once in a while i watch pewdiepie every 10 episodes just to see what he's up to. Right. I like to pay attention to what's happening. Right. You know what I mean? Just to see, okay, I see what this guy does. You know what I mean? I see what this girl's doing. I'm going to try maybe this, you know? I kind of like, I love content creators. I love artists. Yeah, there's, you know? there's also the idea that, that it's fun too, right? Like, I, don't I mean, you dip into a couple of different worlds. You dip into yeah. writing. Yeah. You're a comedic writer like yeah. uh, for television. Yeah. You're a writer and also for a stand-up. Drama, yeah. And you do uh, some some serious writing as well, yeah, 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 and, for television, and, and then and then yeah, and then occasionally some acting, which I'm trying to do more of. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you you want to mix it up and I, artists, right? Like you. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you draw. I, yeah. You you I also know. love I artists. I try to draw, but yeah. Or you at least love art. I don't know if you love artists, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's a, the the idea of being creative. I mean, that's just doing what's in your heart, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what art is. I find it interesting when people are like, oh, I couldn't do that, or I'm not I'm not the person who does that. And I'm like, so you were never a child? How does that work? <laughs> Nobody, no, that's impossible. That's fucking impossible. You yeah. weren't born as a full-grown adult. Like, yeah. there was a period of a few years where you were just fucking around where you could take, like, a paper bag and turn it into something Yeah, in your head. Like, the paper bag would be the paper bag, but in your head it would be something different. When I was a kid, I don't know if you remember the show Voltron. Uh, yeah. Where the cats turned into a giant right. robot. Yeah. Every robot yeah. cat. Yeah. I think there was like five robot cats. Yeah. All different colors. Yeah. 
and uh, there were people in them that yes. controlled them. And yes. when they decided to form Voltron, all of the cats came together and made this massive right. robot yeah, that yeah. was very human-like. Yeah. I would pretend I was Voltron in right. the woods. And I can remember that so clearly. I mean, I'm talking about I'm like a seven, eight-year-old kid in the yeah. woods, and I've got a, a stick in the air, and I, yeah. I feel in my head like that's the totally. sword. and totally. I'm there. It was so you know, I, I, I know how to make believe. And um, the challenge has been, you know, I've forgotten. I've forgotten how to yeah, yeah. make believe. And, yeah, yeah, You know? And it's, uh, it's, it's an important thing to keep doing, right? Like, I'm not saying, you know, turn into a five-year-old kid who's in <laughs> life and don't do your job. But, like, you got every, everyone needs a time where you're just like, I am doing this stupid, silly thing that is stupid and silly, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Now that, you know, I mean, you've done the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, the yeah. Halifax Comedy Festival. Yeah. Um, you wrote for the Beaverton. You write for the Beaverton. That's an on and on again, off again yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to, they had to uh, delay production, but it might be happening in June, so I might be writing for them again in June. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, tell me about next gen. Uh, second gen. Was, second second yes. gen. I'm, no, no, no. I apologize. No, second fine. gen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a TV show that I, uh, that I have a reoccurring character as Alistair on. Uh, another one sort of whimsical, you never know, just to let you know, you know, to, to really underscore the whole you never know thing, was my friend, uh, Amanda Joy, uh, was doing a short film. And she's like, could you be my short film? I was like, okay, fine. And it was like not a paying gig. And I was like, okay, fine. Sure, I'll do it. And then the day that I was doing the short film, my agent was like, oh, you have this audition for this thing and it would have been good money. And I was like, I can't. I'm doing this fucking short film. I didn't say that to him, but in my head, <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. Why, uh, why did it have to be on that day? So I do the short film and it goes well, yada, yada. And then she gets the green light for a second gen uh, and they're casting it. She's like, wait, what about my friend Niall? And she shows, her, shows the uh, network the clips of me from her short film and they're like, yeah, sure. So oh my that's God. how you never know, right? Wow, like, you so lucky thing, you did that, yeah. And it wasn't even in, I don't want to poo-poo her, her short film, but like it's, you know, like there's a whole bunch of things that you do and, you know, you in your head you have, oh, this one's the best idea, this one's the second best, like in terms of advancing your career. Well, you're not going to get paid for a short film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was going to lead to anything. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get something to add to my reel, fine, whatever. This is one of the most important things you probably ever did. It turned into a huge fucking thing. It turned into like two seasons worth of work. Hopefully three. I, I don't know. We'll now, find out. How do you how do you watch this show? What is it on? Oh, uh, it, I believe it is online. It, you, I mean, it's on TV, but I think it's online at, oh, I should know this. So I think you could Google watch second, second gen, second gen, second gen with a J, with a J. Okay, yeah, all right. Online, so every, everybody's going to do that now that they've heard that on Birchwood yeah. podcast. Yes, <laughs> finally. Yeah, um, I just uh, wanted to tell you that I've had like experiences where I've talked to a lot of comedians, but I've rarely like talked about the entire world with them, you know, like it's, it's always been like, because I have known that person, I've kind of already caught up with them. So I'm finding it really fun to talk to you because like, you know, I've, when I've seen, when I see Mike Dambra or when I see Tim Nutt, it's like, I've talked to these guys. We've yeah. already driven yeah. to Williams Lake for 11 hours. We've had all the talks, you know what I mean? 
Were you a road comic? Did you did you do a lot of miles in the car rental cars and? Uh, no, not as not as I mean I mean everyone does right gigs, right not not to the extent some of these guys I'm like Jesus age. You were you were around enough cities like Toronto. Yeah. There's so many, like, you know, uh, gigs happening in, like, uh, Niagara Falls and Oakville and yeah. all of the greater yeah. Toronto area. I tried a Western swing a few years ago, a few years ago, a lot of years ago, almost a decade ago now. Um, and it was fine, but I don't know, like, I don't know how, I don't know how comics make it work financially. Right? Oh, yeah. Because you no. don't get, you don't it get. It doesn't. That's the answer. I guess. It does not work. Because I tried it once. I tried it once, and then I was like, and then I would hear other people talk about how they did it, and I'm like, so you come back with $300 after a month? I was yeah. like, that, no, I don't know about that. And then. It's ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I haven't. How was the tour? Oh, it was great. I was gone for nine weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. It only cost me 500 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's also this thing where you're like, there's got to be a better way. But that, but that's what we're talking about at lunch, which people missed, was that, you know, it's, you want to do this thing so bad, what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And for, for me personally, I'm not willing to sacrifice my family's comfort. Right. Which is, hey, maybe that's very noble, but it's also like, I want to be selfish. Maybe someday I'll be able to afford to take time off like when I was a young man and I didn't have a family I didn't appreciate it enough right. now if I even get a weekend to go yeah. to Halifax You're like, oh, boy. oh I'm performing yeah. like what I'm even thinking about you know like sleep in yeah that kind of thing right yeah sleep so. right in the middle of bed yeah like a <laughs> Like a animal, yeah. just starfish right in the middle of the bed. That's right, that's right. And I'm not doing anything all day. <laughs> Completely irresponsible. What right. a wild man! Right, right. So, um, what's? I guess uh, you know, just trying to think of from stand up until you know you got into writing and other other things. Like, were you just a stand up for a long time, or did acting just kind of organically occur at the same time or how did that all uh, no I was I was a stand-up for a long time and then I moved I tried to move into writing a bit it was one of those things where I really wish someone had talked to me early on because that and I don't think that happens anymore but I think my generation there was a lot of there was a lot of you know not correct information where you thought okay all I gotta do is just be funny and just keep working and then eventually someone will be like hey that guy's funny Let's put them on TV. It's like, yeah, that's not that how that works at all. No. So there was a lot of unfocused sort of, you know, wandering, like yeah. doing stand up and then, uh, you know, doing fringe shows, which I, I thought were great and, and it was a great experience, but it wasn't, it wasn't an either or. I should have still been hustling and trying to figure out where do you want to be and trying to get there. So yeah, uh, I think it was only, it's only been like, whoa, again, it's barely been 10 years of me saying, okay, I'm going to try to try to focus on acting and focus on writing so that you can get to a point where, okay, now I can do maybe a semi-national tour uh, and maybe the money isn't great, but I got this other stuff that can bolster me and I can sort of, you know, work around it that way. Right. So... 
like with acting, um, you do you think that you love acting as much as you love the stand-up? I, I think it's apples and oranges. Two different you know? things. Yeah, I mean, you can like you can like both for different reasons. In fact, I find that the 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 big advantage with the stand-up and writing, and I hope eventually acting, is that you know. I'll get to a point where I'm like, fuck, I hate stand-up. Jesus Christ, I am so done with stand-up. And then I'll go into a room, I'm like, oh, this is great, I'm alive. And then I'll get to a point where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so done with writing. And then you go back to stand-up. And it's <laughs> then just you're drawing for a bit. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, it's it's fun. It's I, th I think for me anyways, it's good to have more than one thing on a go. What's next for Niles again? Um, this is a very good question. Next is, I think, Niles again has to figure out what his specific focus is going to be and answer that question is that is that is that's the thing that's that's what's next is getting to a place where i can answer that question and be like boom this is what we're doing <laughs> okay so do you have a place where people can see what you're up to like ah, on on the twitter, internet i'm on the twitter the on twitter, twitter? Uh, i've heard of twitter at at, at niles again um and i have a website nilesagain.com s e g u i n yes that's important. N-I-L-E-S-E-G-U-I-N. At NilesAgain.com. Yeah. And then they can find you at Niles Again and on Twitter. And sure. Yeah, yeah. That's where people see all of the wonderful things you're doing. Yeah, all of the magic. I wish you all the success in the world. Why, thank you. This was a, an amazing interview. I love talking to you. And thank you yeah, for, for cutting out the time for me. It was fun. For my right. busy schedule of sitting around, farting around the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks now. All right, thanks, man. Thanks.